hey there, my friends. What is chilling? Well, I can tell you what's chilling. It's the weather, man. I was just out on my front porch and I was watching my breath. And so officially summer is over. The fall has begun. The temperatures are dropping. But hopefully our hearts are warm inside, all right? So anyway, hey, welcome to the Everyday Missionary Podcast. This is episode 215. And boy, oh boy, there was a ton of stuff in the news this week. So many things to choose from. What will we talk about? Well, we'll talk about a little bit of everything, both the positive and then some of the negative, and they'll see what lessons we can learn from that and from that how we can be everyday missionaries. Now, the first bit of really cool, fun news that I came across this week, hopefully you saw it, but Captain Kirk finally made it to space. Yes, finally, right? William Shatner, the man, the myth, the legend, goes on Jeff Bezos' rocket that still looks inappropriate to me, and he was shot into space. And I thought this was cool, not simply because, again, as a kid, love Star Trek. Uh, I love space travel. I love NASA. I love all that stuff. And so seeing it privatized now, I think it's really cool. I'm kind of a fan of that. Um, but I also thought it was cool that the guy is 90 years old and went into space. I mean, even watching an interview with him, I'm like, he doesn't look 90. So super impressive all the way around. The came back safe and sound. So that was kind of a cool thing that I thought happened this week. Another cool thing that happened this week actually was last night, at least from the time I'm recording this, which is it was the very first Seattle Kraken uh, hockey match uh, against the Golden Knights of uh, Las Vegas. Great game. Like, honestly, for a first game ever, I thought it was fantastic. I thought we played really, really well. Like, I say we, like I'm out there on the ice. They played well and on our behalf. Um, held their own against a pretty tough team in their house. And so just having kind of hockey in Seattle, I think, is really, really fantastic because I'm a big hockey fan. I love it. I would say, like, hockey, football, and MMA, kind of the top three, the triad of happy favorite athletic competitions. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm learning. I'm learning soccer. And for those of you who've known me for a long time, that's a big deal because uh, I was not always a soccer guy. And now I'm kind of like, soccer's kind of rad, right? So between that and Ted Lasso, I'm just falling in love with soccer. So um, that's growing on me as well. So that's good news. Another bit of good news this week, and this kind of starts to dive a little bit more into the spiritual side of things, finally, for the podcast. Um, but uh, this last weekend, I did a wedding over on the other side of the Cascades. Uh, beautiful wedding, incredible venue, just all the way around, just so top-notch and had such a great time. Uh, and one of the things that's true when you are kind of tying the knot when you go to a wedding is that you don't know a lot of people there. I, I only do weddings for friends and family or people that I know. I don't market myself to go do weddings or anything like that. So it's pretty selective, but I still don't know a lot of people at the weddings. And so when you're sitting there, you're kind of getting to know people for the first time. And so Ellen and I were sitting next to this younger couple. They're dating. They have fresh love. Romance is in the air. Really, really awesome people. Uh, and we we're finding out about their lives and background and that kind of thing. And the girl that we were talking to was uh, kind of sharing how she had lived in San Diego, then Canada, then Alaska, then back to San Diego. And now she's back up on Woodby Island, back with the family business and that kind of thing. And so we were just kind of quizzing her about her journey in life. And she said she had had this job uh, until COVID hit. And then uh, because of the person that she was working for as a personal assistant, uh, they were a writer and a speaker and they couldn't continue to travel and all of that. So eventually that job just sort of evaporated because of the nature of COVID. So she came back to the Pacific Northwest to be near family and get reconnected and all of that. So, uh, of course, being curious, we're like, well, who did you work for? And she says, well, I was the personal assistant to Bob Goff. Now, 
I don't know if you know that name. If you know that name, you know that name. But if you don't know that name, it may not mean much to you. But Bob Goff wrote a handful of books, but perhaps the one he's most known for is called Love Does. It is one of the best books I've come across in well over a decade. I think it so encapsulates what the great commandment is all about, in particular what it means to love your neighbor, even the neighbor that you don't want to love. You would love to instead just throat punch and kick into a ditch. And and he kind of talks about how to love those types of people, and he has some really powerful messages in that. Um, he was a former attorney, but now he's very much kind of like a humanitarian philanthropist, uh, really trying to do a lot of work in Africa to bring uh, kind of a, a sense of human rights to bear in certain tribal environments. Just a really impressive Christian man and very compelling from the perspective of saying, you know what, love is just the way forward. It's what we do, right? So really a phenomenal guy. And so in meeting this person that was his personal assistant, uh, you get a sense of nervousness. And here's what I mean by this. Uh, in recent years, as I brought up in this podcast, uh, there have been there have been many evangelical writers, speakers, and leaders who have fallen. And then you find out behind the scenes they're not great. And I know of people who work with current well-known evangelical leaders uh, that have not fallen, but they've worked with those people and they're like, behind the scenes, it's not clean, it's not pretty, it's a machine, it's... Uh, it's got a certain cutthroatness to it. It doesn't look a lot like Jesus on the inside, but hey, everybody identifies these people as being profound on the outside. And, and so as soon as you meet a person that's kind of seen how the sausage is made, so to speak, uh, you're nervous. Like, is it going to be consistent? Is the person I read in this book and see in this message, are they the same person behind the scenes? And so we were able to ask this gal and she's like, can I tell you? Bob is exactly the same person in his private life as he is in his public life. The way he treated me and my friends and everybody there working for him, the way he treats his wife and his family and friends, he is the real deal. And so I thought, what great news, you know, like honestly, with with so many things we see with leaders that fall or leaders that don't live up to expectations uh, or leaders that are just all too human uh, and yet let that humanness come out in some of the worst ways possible. It was just a great like shot in the arm. Like I needed to hear that, right? That he's the, he's the guy, right? He's still doing it. And, and so what a great thing. And so that was just a great bit of news as well. And so just all kinds of news this week. I mean, there's plenty of other things we could talk about the Facebook fiasco and, you know, plenty to talk about. But one of the things I was really uh, struck by uh, this week, and, and there was more than one thing in this. And I thought, man, I'm going to talk about this and then kind of figure out how this plays into being an everyday missionary. Uh, but it was actually the story that relates to uh, John Grudem, the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, and how he resigned this week uh, in light of emails from about a decade ago that show uh, language that's very uh, racist, inappropriate, uh, sexist, inappropriate, uh, inappropriate when it comes to talking about the gay and lesbian community. Uh, like there was just a number of things that came out. And, and this goes back to an investigation that the NFL was conducting related to the owner of uh, the Washington football team, used to be the Washington Redskins. Uh, they subpoenaed all these emails. And then from that, there's a rabbit hole of kind of, unfortunately, other people get pulled into the gravity well, and they're exposed for who they are, what they think, or what they say in emails, that whole thing. Now, some of you may not have any clue about John Grudem or the NFL. It's not your thing. It's not your jam. It's okay. It doesn't have to be for this podcast because I want to talk less about all of the details of that and more about something that Grudem said in his resignation 
that makes me go, oh, and, and therein lies not only his problem, but frankly, a human problem that I think we need to be honest about. Uh, and then from that, we can hopefully plot a way forward. And I think it's especially important for us as everyday missionaries to try to figure out how we navigate these things and address these types of things. Because we are to be the ones that are most brutally honest, first and foremost, with ourselves and brutally honest when it comes to the blind spots that we may have, both the ones that are truly blind spots and the ones that we know are there, but we defend or we protect or we overlook because it's effective, efficient. It's my opinion, whatever it is, right? So all of that there. So let's see if I can kind of pull this back in a little bit and then give you a sense of what I'm talking about. So John Grudem, uh, you know, has all these emails that they weren't released, uh, but there have been some reporters that have gotten access to some of the content in those emails where they were uh, exchanging photos of some of the cheerleaders of these teams that were topless. Uh, they were talking about women in derogatory ways. They were talking about uh, people of color in somewhat derogatory ways. They were talking about homosexuals in derogatory ways. Uh, and, and so from that, of course, Grudem knew he couldn't stay in his position, so he resigned. What was interesting in his resignation and the statement that he made is that he says, I'm not a racist and I don't have a racist bone in my body. And I, I thought, and therein lies a little bit of the problem. And here's what I mean. When the content of what he said clearly shows that he has an angle or he is less than charitable to certain people groups, and then he says, well, I'm not a racist. I think the problem is how easily we as human beings can deceive ourselves or have blind spots. And we really think we're not a thing, but some of that stuff is inside us. There is a thing in there, even though we don't think we are that thing. So I really believe Grudem would probably look and say, you know what? I'm not a sexist. I don't dislike gay people. I don't dislike people of color. You know, I just said stupid stuff, right? It was just locker room talk, or it was just foolish speaking, or I was just getting carried away in an email or whatever else. And so he really believes he doesn't have a problem. He just maybe said inappropriate things. And, and, and I couldn't help but think about this in relationship to theology, actually. And so here's what I mean by this. Uh, technically, the study of sin in theology is called uh, hamartology, right? So it's this coming from the Greek word sin. And inside hamartology, there is this concept called depravity, or sometimes we use the term total depravity. And it's kind of a loaded word because when you hear depravity, you tend to think like the worst, darkest, most evil thing a person can do, that that's depravity. Depraved minds do depraved things. But in theology, when we talk about depravity or total depravity, what we're saying is not that when people are seen as being depraved, that they are the worst that they can possibly be. What we're talking about instead is that the full range of our person is affected by our sinful fallen nature. And so our emotions are affected by our sin. Our intellect is affected. Our body's affected. Um, you know, just our perspectives, our worldview, uh, all of that is affected by the problems or conditions of sin in our lives. That's what we mean by total depravity, right? And so even in the context of this idea of total depravity, it's kind of strange to think that uh, how much we are the sum of our chemical parts and you change our chemicals a little bit in our bodies. You know, you give us caffeine, we can be like this. You don't give us food, we can be like that. You give us a certain medication that can create all sorts of different things in our personality and composite. It's just kind of a strange thing. And all of that reveals that we're just sort of bound under sin. Even if you're saved, you're bound under sin. And Paul talks about this, right? 
Here's the thing that was sticking out to me about the Gruden thing and then kind of a, ah, I want to be aware of my own potential biases or nuances in this. Um, But I honestly think that John Gruden is saying, I'm not these things. There's no way I'm these things. I I refuse to believe I'm these things, even though I said things that would reveal me to be those very things. Like he is in essence, maybe kind of going through a level of self-deception. And yet this is exactly what total depravity tends to do to all of us as human beings. For all of us, there are markers where we go, you know what, I know that's my problem. And then there's other things that we don't see as a problem or we don't realize we're wrong in some capacity, right? That's the blind spot of sin. And I've said this many times, I think even on the podcast, that I am sure there are areas in my life where I'm wrong, but I don't know where I'm wrong Therefore, I'm not changing the things where I'm wrong. I think about this in particular to kind of my views theologically and biblically and everything else, where when I look at the view that I hold, that I'm a conservative, evangelical, uh, North American, 21st century Christian, the views that I hold theologically when it comes to the historic church and the global church are are a minority position, actually. We evangelicals in America are a minority to the history of Christianity and to the theology of the history of Christianity. And so for me to pretend like I've got it all figured out, I've nailed it, I understand it completely, misses the fact that I probably, I love to say I know less than half of everything, and there's probably many, many areas of what I believe as a conservative evangelical Christian that are just wrong. And I don't know where they're wrong, because if I did, I would fix it, but I don't, and I can't, so... What am I left to do? I just try to do my best, right? That's kind of true. In fact, I believe that one day I'm going to get there, stand before Jesus, and Jesus is going to be like, dude, it was Eastern Orthodoxy. I started it up with my brother James back in the day, man. Why didn't you go Eastern Orthodox? You guys went like down the Catholic road, and then the Protestant road, and then the non-denominational road, and the evangelical road. And it's just, it was Eastern Orthodox. Right? I don't know what it's going to be, right? But my point is, There is blind spots in all of us. There are places that we don't see, or there are places that, frankly, we defend that we might even wonder if they're wrong, but we don't care, or we're defensive, or we don't like to be called out on those things. And yet for the everyday missionary, this is a a bad trait, right? Like we don't want to be those types of people. This is why we always want to be growing. And when we talk about growing as Christians, oftentimes we think it's about growing in knowledge or growing in obedience, which is true. But I think the deepest level of growth that we want to see established is an authenticity and a transparency that says, all right, God, I want you to search me, seek me, know me. I want you to pry me apart, see if there's any wicked way in me. I mean, I think about this from David's own prayer. Like that's to be our posture. It's to be the posture that says, I know there is still stuff in my life that I don't see and I don't realize and I'm unaware of. And so God, I want you to actually confront me regularly in my life on those things. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be more humbled. I want to be more like you. I want to be more of a peacemaker. I want to be more tender in spirit. I want to be that kind of person that is always growing by being less me and more you. Like that's going to be the spirit of this whole thing. And so when I heard the Grudem thing, I just couldn't help but go like, man, how much is that all of us, right? Where we think we aren't things that we are, where we think we're not, whatever it is, uh, too earthly or too political. We think we're not too 
uh, greedy or too proud or, you know, there's a whole list of things we could wrestle with. And yet, like Jesus is looking and saying, man, I love you. I'm in it with you. I've rescued you. I see you as, as you know, my own. The father sees you as a son and a daughter. And yet there are things still to address. See, we need to put ourselves in the posture before Christ that says, and I want to learn. I'm not too proud to learn because I believe there's probably still stuff in me because we're still affected by this total depravity problem, right? Our eyes are still sort of blinded. I mean, I think about this in Revelation chapter three with the church of Laodicea, where they're looking at themselves and they're like, man, we're rich and we're wealthy and we have it all together and we have need of nothing. And then Jesus says, no, but you guys don't even realize you're poor, you're miserable, you're blind and you're naked. Like, That church thought it was the bee's knees better than the most recent can of spam. I mean, like it was just, you know, it had it all going on. And then Jesus is like, no, you've missed it. You missed a lot, in fact. And everything you think you are, you're not. And so from that, Jesus is like, so so come to me, be anointed by me, buy from me the things you need to be truly wide-eyed and awake as you move forward, right? Because he says, I'm standing at the door and knocking. I want to come in. I want to dine with you. I want to shape you. I want to change you. I'm going to redeploy you in a way that's most effective. And see, this is what I think we as everyday missionaries need to have as a regular part of our diet, where we are going to Jesus and we're saying, Jesus, listen, I don't know what I don't know. And I know less than half of everything. And I'm sure there's things in me that I cherish, I keep, I protect, I defend, I do, and they're not like you. So help me to let go of those things. Help me to let go of those those biases. Help me to let go of that bigotry. Help me to see my needless defensiveness toward things where instead I should be compassionate. Because the more I watch us as Christians on social media and things like that, I think sometimes we feel that our responsibility is to be defensive so as to defend certain things. And yet more than anything else, what we need to be is clear and caring and compassionate and compelling. Like those types of things are going to be our biggest priority. And in doing that, it means we need to see with eyes wide open. Like we need to be thinking really clear, really hard. And we need to remember our goals and objectives, which is not to win arguments, not to make points, but to win over people and to see lives change because we're approaching these things in such a way where we know humility and peacemaking and compassion need to drive much of what we do. And so this is kind of this thing is I was thinking about with the Gruden thing and I was thinking about it in our own lives and I was thinking about how many blind spots we have and if our emails and our lives or our brains were dumped into the world, what people would see and how many things we still need to repair. See, because I am convinced that... um, Human beings are just good at self-deception and human beings are good at self-righteousness and human beings are really good at the us and them mentality in part because the us and them mentality elevates my own sense of worth because the them are certainly dumber than the us, right? Because if I thought they were smarter, I would be on their side, but I think they're dumb. So I'm on my side, right? Like all of that is going to be true. And that just comes back to this issue of blind spots. And the only way we can address blind spots are just a couple of things that I said, right? That we go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, let me see my blind spots. It means we're going to scripture and saying, sift me, show me, uh, point out things to me because Jesus, I want to be more like you. I I think it's being self-aware of the reality that we 
we kind of list toward self-righteousness and that's never going to be healthy. And so when I start to feel self-righteous, I start to feel superior. I start to look at other groups and think they're the ones that are foolish or dumb or wrong. It does not mean that there isn't foolish, dumb, and wrong ideas in the world. There can be. But my approach even to that should be humility and compassion because I want to see those wrongs made right, not by guilt, shame, finger pointing, mockery, bitey words, whatever, but by bringing real accurate change. And so for us as everyday missionaries and followers of Jesus, uh, Jesus wants to uh, renew our minds, right? Remember that in Romans chapter 12? That's much of what this is talking about, right? That renewing the mind is an ongoing process. Seeing our perspectives shaped and changed is an ongoing process. Learning where we've made mistakes in the past so we don't make those same mistakes in the future is an ongoing process. In fact, I was marked even this week, I was listening to a podcast with Monica Lewinsky, which was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And it was fascinating because I was reflecting on this from having been, you know, I think, uh, you know, roughly in my 30s, uh, early 30s, right on the cusp of that late 20s, early 30s, when all of that happened 20 years ago with Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton. And I remember not only hearing, I remember thinking some of the things that were said back then. In other words, there was this kind of, uh, obviously, there was a sense that the president had done wrong and everything else, and that was sexually inappropriate, and he should be impeached, and he should be removed. There was all that kind of talk. But but the talk about Monica Lewinsky was she's a bimbo, she's a slut, she's a whore, she's easy, she's dumb, she's fat. Like, there was all these open statements made And every one of those things was cruel and harsh and wrong and destructive. But like 20 years ago when it was happening, you thought it was totally okay to say, ah, she's just a bimbo. She's a dumb bimbo. She was getting attention. Why did Bill Clinton choose her? Like, couldn't he find a cuter girl than her? Like, think about how terrible those words are, right? But those were the words that would be said. Those were thoughts, certainly, that I had, at least some of those, not all of those, but some of those were thoughts that I had. How wrong of me. Imagine if I would have never grown past this and thought that's still appropriate to think and say and do and believe and, you know, just see, I was blind 20 years ago to some of those things. But today I go, that's, that's really wrong. I, I, I can't believe I thought that kind of stuff. See, this is the space we all want to be in where there are things maybe today we think, we believe, we say, and you know what? They're wrong. And what we need to do is just get back to this idea of saying, Jesus, search me and know me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Jesus, help me to take seriously what your words say about loving those who differ with me, loving those who are my neighbor, loving those who are opposed to me, Help me to display your fruit of the spirit. Help me to display your your values and vision for the world with what I think, how I respond, what I post, the conversations I have, the demeanor I hold, the people I interact with. Let, let, Let me be more of who you are and what you want me to be. Because that's the place we need to be. That's the space we need to inhabit, right? We need to be honest with our own humanness. And we need to be honest with our temptation to be painfully human and painfully self-righteous. And in that, that self-righteousness, maybe overlooking our responsibility to love and do good to all. Paul says that in Galatians 6. He says that again in Romans 12. Like we're looking to do good to all. 
And maybe there's some biases in me or some bigotry in me or some sense of just holding back in me from certain groups or parties or whatever. And that undermines what the gospel is all about. That undermines the vision and values of the kingdom. And as followers of Jesus, that's got to be our primary focus, right? His kingdom, his righteousness, that's what I center my life on. And from that, everything else will be added to me and to you. Because the stuff of an everyday missionary is the hard work internally, right? To go inward with the spirit and say, all right, let's do the surgery. Let's deal with the cancer. Let's deal with the crud. Let's deal with the callousness. Let's deal with my biases so that I don't end up doing dumb stuff, thinking dumb stuff, focusing on destructive stuff. And then I go, well, I'm not that. Then don't pull the John Grudem, right? That I don't do and say dumb stuff and say, but that's not really me, right? What we do is really us, but we can grow. We can change. We can be shaped by grace, by Jesus, by gospel, by kingdom, by the stuff of love. And I believe the more that that is happening in our individual lives and we're coming to grips with our weaknesses and our frailty, and we know we know less than half of everything. And we want Jesus then to reveal those weak blind spots in us so we can be more like him. When that happens, you and I will be pretty effective everyday missionaries.